Pfizer Canada says it's preparing to ask Health Canada to authorize its COVID-19 vaccine for kids as young as five by the middle of this month. They've already asked for permission for that in the U.S. And that's where we'll begin here this morning with Dr. Craig Jenny, Associate Professor, Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Craig, good morning. Good morning. You know, my first thought about uh, about this request, uh, and we, you know, been talking about this coming for a long time, and uh, it, it will likely go ahead. But I'm thinking of parents with kids. I don't have kids, but I'm thinking of parents with kids who, you know, went out and got the shot, no problem at all. And I wonder if, you know, some parents now might be a bit hesitant about their kids getting the shot right we're to take care of our kids and and do the right thing Uh, any concern at all about kids as young as five getting the Pfizer vaccine or one of these other vaccines well I think we have to right now trust the data and I haven't seen the full data but you know Canada has requested it we will look at the full data set but the early results that we have seen is that this is a very safe vaccine. And if we think of other vaccines we have, flu shots, for example, we do administer those uh, down to kids as young as one. Um, So, you know, vaccination is an absolute critical part of childhood health. If we think of the shots that our kids get here in Canada, those prevent, you know, in the area of 5 to 10 million lives being lost globally every year. So these are critical public health tools. And COVID uh, will be no different than, than some of these other vaccines. They will have to pass the same safety benchmarks, the same safety trials. Uh, there is, has been, and I think it's pretty obvious to people, no rush to, to get these vaccines into younger kids. We've gone back through full safety trials. And, and once again, Canada is requesting the data to make its own decisions. We are not tied to the U.S. FDA or any other international agency. We want to see the data for ourselves, and we will make our own decision here in our country. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, I'm sure there are parents out there, uh, you know, saying to the radio right now, as I say, you know, some parents might be hesitant about getting the vaccine for their kids 5 to 11 years old. There's other parents, I'm sure, that are saying, I can't wait because here is my unprotected child and we see you know this virus potentially deadly virus and and a pandemic all around us and kids are except for masks and social distancing unprotected at this point no absolutely and when we think of these larger social events that all of the rules tend to be vaccinated proof of negative test if you're over 12 and really there is no uh, additional protections for the younger kids so this will be not only a game changer for them for their personal health their ability to get out and do these things but they do represent more than 10 percent of the canadian population and if we're talking about herd immunity public health protection they still get infected they still transmit that virus and they represent a critical piece that right now has zero vaccine so so we do have to uh you know look forward to to being able to offer everybody protection not only for their own health but you know to protect grandparents to protect other uh contacts they have in their daily lives and this will go a long way to doing that. I wanted to get right to the news of the morning there by asking you that first, but also I want to know how you guys are doing in Alberta. You're at the University of Calgary. Have things improved there? So the daily case count seems to have plateaued, which is good. We we have not seen a decline yet, um, and, and you know, uh, by some miracle, our, our ICUs are holding on. 
Uh, we have now deployed uh, Canadian Forces personnel in the ICUs as of yesterday. We're expecting critical care teams from Newfoundland arriving, uh, I believe, next week. So we're getting some help, um, but we are still at record high ICU admissions. And, and I think more tragically, if we look over the last two weeks, we've lost over 250 Albertans uh, in, in just the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, it, it is still very much a crisis here in Alberta, although not at that exponential growth anymore. Hmm. We'll certainly wish you all the best uh, in Alberta, as I said to you before. Uh, my home province, my mom's there, my sister's there, I've got other family there, and so I, I watch the situation there closely. I did uh, mention to people that I was going to talk with you at the start of the show today, and I said, if you have any questions uh, for Dr. Jenny, let me know. Here's one from Boyd. Boyd says, Hal, please ask the doctor, um, I'm, I'm getting concerned, I'm worried. Um, you know, I'm fully vaccinated, uh, but yet now they're saying two shots may not be enough. Uh, they're talking booster shots and third shots. I'm watching what's going on around me, uh, and I'm starting to get concerned about the um, effectiveness of the vaccine. Um, I, I think a lot of people feel that way, right, Craig? But uh, yeah. the bottom line here is that the vaccine is effective, certainly keeping you out of a hospital or uh, from getting really, really sick. And, and I don't think the booster or third dose, we've expanded that a bit here in the province again, the third dose, I don't think that's a surprise, right? And what would you say to Boyd? No, no, I, I think that's exactly it. You know, we're looking at a third shot now, and that recommendation is for, for at least six months after your first two. Uh, keep in mind, many people, some of the, the most at-risk groups, are now approaching a year since they've been vaccinated, at least with that first shot. So I do think third shots are appropriate, particularly for people that may have weaker immune systems that, that fade, and that can come just as part of the naturally with aging. We're also seeing recommendations in some places for frontline healthcare workers to now get a third dose, and that is a very different thing. That is, as you pointed out, that there's a difference between infection and severe illness. And a full vaccine course, two shots with the with the vaccines that had been previously offered in Canada, still provide excellent, excellent protection against hospitalization and severe disease. So that's what we're after at a public health level. The difference is if you're a frontline healthcare worker, those very rare but breakthrough infections can pose a risk. You can pass those on to other patients who may not be vaccinated, or you may have to stay home because you're feeling under the weather. And with the healthcare system strained, we can't afford to lose anybody off the front line. So in that case, they are in some places recommending a third dose to help ensure that there is zero breakthrough infections, that mm -hmm. in that population... You know, protecting you from hospitalization is not good enough. We need to ensure you do not pass that virus on to anybody else. For the general public, you know, turning this into a bad cold by being fully vaccinated, that's a great step. Even if there are rare breakthrough infections, you know, we're keeping people out of the hospital with two doses. Mm -hmm. I'm what they call an AstraZeneca. I had the AstraZeneca right. and then the Moderna. Uh, somebody says, Hal, please ask Dr. Jenny... Um, if he knows of the people being admitted to hospital who have been vaccinated against COVID-19, are we seeing mm -hmm. any people with AstraZeneca or Moderna or Pfizer? Is there any breakdown on that at all? I know the mix uh, yeah. is actually better than two AstraZenecas, I'm told, right? That is correct. The, the mix, my understanding, at least from test tube science, so not mm -hmm. we don't have the real-world data yet because it's too right. new. But the test tube is the mixed is better than even two doses of Pfizer or two doses of Moderna. Wow. So the, the mixed strategy seems to actually have been the best strategy. And, and once again, you know, we, we only learn these by, 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 you know, out of essential need. Um, 
But no, we, we haven't seen granular data as to you know which vaccines are seeing breakthrough. And once again, there's a big disconnect between test tube and real world. That that you know loss of protection in a test tube, we have the evidence does not equal loss of protection in the real world. And that's because your immune system is very complex. There are multiple. Uh, pieces that contribute to your protection. When we put that in a test tube, we're separating those pieces and we're only looking at one small piece of the picture. And in the real world, your body works together in multiple layers of defense. And so the real world protection is much higher than what we see in these test tubes. And one more quick one here from Jackie at Hal at CGOB.com. Jackie says, Hal, please ask Dr. Jenny if someone who has uh, had COVID are the antibodies that they would have developed enough to protect them from another occurrence? And what's the comparison of natural antibodies to actually getting the vaccine? The vaccine's the best protection, right? It is, yes. So she's absolutely right. You you will get natural antibodies, and they're actually really good antibodies early on. The difference we find is that people with natural infection, those antibodies fade a lot quicker than the vaccine. Um, the, the amount of antibodies you get seems to actually be correlated to how sick you were. So if you were only mildly ill, you actually generated less antibodies than somebody, for example, who was hospitalized and recovered. But perhaps the single most critical piece is, is for some reason, the natural antibodies actually provide very poor protection against other variants. Whereas the vaccine, when you, when you develop immunity, you seem to develop really good immunity against all of the current variants in Canada. So natural immunity, you will have good protection, but against that exact same variant again. Um, the, the, the vaccine, though, gives you very good protection against all of the variants you might bump into uh, currently in Canada. Craig, really good info today. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Hal. Take care. All right, you too. Dr. Craig Jenny at the University of Calgary joining us here on Connecting Winnipeg. We wrap up this half hour by talking to the president of the uh, University of Manitoba Students Union, Brendan Scott. Brendan, good morning. Good morning to you, Hal. Hi, thanks a lot for doing this. So we had the uh, head of the faculty association on this morning. A a strike vote date uh, has been set and... uh, you know, students, your members, they have had a lot on their minds, right? The pandemic, remote learning, uh, and now, and, and this has been going on for a while, but now this, you know, strike vote has been set. This has to be difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. And for me personally, this is the uh, third time I'm going through something like this in my academic career. And uh, last year, we, we had a similar situation. Um, and, you know, the university and the UMFA couldn't come to a full agreement last year so we're having to go through negotiations again this year and we don't know you know if that strike vote will ultimately uh end up with a a labor uh you know a, a, a disruption we, we don't know but that has to be on your mind and uh like you know you don't want to get in the middle of this but you guys are just there to get an education and uh this is uh, at to say the least distracting Absolutely. And, you know, the hope is that something is a new agreement is agreed upon within the coming weeks. So we we don't even get to that point where the faculty association is voting to strike. Um, if it does occur, um, you know, that that, yeah, distracts some students. And I think students are even just worried with midterms going on now having to kind of worry, will we get to that point uh, later in October where the faculty is going to strike and uh, 
most likely will strike if there is no agreement that's come up upon. And uh, right now, we're just trying to do a bit of damage control. Obviously, it was only just last night that the Faculty Association voted to have a strike vote. So it, it just becomes this morning now. It really hits the, the minds of students that, oh, this is really happening. You know, there had been some talk beforehand, but now it's, you know, the first step in going towards a strike has just occurred. And, uh, yeah, definitely students are worried, well, how, this, uh, how will this affect my studies? And, um, you know, I think students are now going to start looking to if their specific profs are part of the faculty association if, and if there is a potential for them to strike within the, within the month. The, I mean, I know that the students' union has supported the faculty in the past. Do you get in the middle of this and say, "Hey, we support our profs"? Or like, where where does the students' union come down in this? Um, overall, we're going to support whatever it takes to get our education back on track. Um, so that that stance won't have to come out, fortunately, for a little while until maybe that there is a strike. Uh, we will have both the faculty association and the university come to speak to the UMSU board at some point, giving their sides of the argument uh, of, of the labor negotiations. And we'll have the board vote on what stance UMSU should take as, you know, the, the board is truly UMSU. Uh, you know, I'm just the spokesperson. So overall, uh, we, we look to the future uh, to hear from both sides. Uh, right now, even though students can go out and be informed and obviously given their opinions to the, these board directors, uh, there is a, the website, umatoba slash bargaining, which, which is kind of putting out all public information on the current negotiations going on at the table between the faculty association and the university. Uh, again, at this time, we're supporting whatever it takes to get back to the classroom and have this not be a distraction in students' minds. Um, I think later in the future, we'll, we'll have to really pick a side. Overall, we are caught in the middle, and we're, we're just going to support whatever it takes to make sure that our studies aren't interrupted. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm just about out of, out of time, but I, I did want to ask you, you know, with uh, the pandemic and, uh, and and now this, a potential labor situation, are you hearing of, of students that are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a year or two. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a gap year. I'm going to work. I'm going to make some money. People are looking for, you know, there are opportunities out there, jobs. People are looking for workers. And I'll, I'll get back to my education when things are back to more normal. I think there's a lot of students wishing they made that decision back in the summer. It's kind of too late to kind of unenroll now. And I think a lot of students are actually very excited for the winter semester because, one, the hope is, yes, these labor negotiations don't go past the fall. And, two, the hope is that we're fully back this winter semester. So I feel like students who decided that they still want to come to school this fall, even though it was a blended model and not a fully back or fully online uh, situation, I think students are, are, the students that are here are, are here for the long haul and that we saw, we saw students determine at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I will, I will go work. I won't come back to school until we're fully in person. Uh, I don't want to learn online. And uh, you're, you're right. You know, last year we did have also labor negotiations. So uh, I think as of right now, students that are here this fall will love to come back for the winter. And the, their hope is that it's an in-person winter. I think only if that changes that we're not in, back in person in the winter that, yeah, students might decide, oh, forget it and go off and, like you said, travel hopefully or, or work or uh, come back to the studies later. Brandon, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Al. Have a good one. Brendan, you too. Brendan Scott is the president of UMSU.
Kari England is the owner of Toad Hall Toys. Kari, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for coming on today. We've been hearing about this for a while now, and I've been meaning to get you on, so I'm, I'm a little slow to get you on. But I do <laughs> want to talk to you about these uh, toy shortages that we're hearing about ahead of Christmas. Um, I, I've been reading lots of stories that say if you if you have a specific toy, get it now. Don't wait. I mean, this has been even a month ago they were saying this. And um, it, I guess a lot of this goes to the supply chain issues that we've talked about over and over again. Uh, mm-hmm. We're seeing the same thing with other products, right? Demand is high, supply is low, it's tough to get it to where it's going, and, and materials used in the production of toys and other stuff. Same with your industry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's just a, yeah, a continuation of the same problem um it, it's just getting magnified as time goes on um so yeah everything as you say raw materials difficult to get um factories were shut down at different times some still are um rolling outages of power in them now um but the biggest issue seems to be um the shipping issue um not enough containers uh, the price of containers has quadrupled uh it so yeah, everything just gets magnified. Now, some businesses, and I'm suspecting you've been at this a long time, Curry, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. you might have been smart too and ordered a lot early, and you're able to supply the toys that people are looking for. Others have done this in other industries. Were you one of the smart ones? I like to hope so. Um, <laughs> many of our suppliers and reps were saying, you know, get your orders in before June. Um, wow. But... but by the same token, we've just been through a year of, you know, two and two equals fish. So how do we even decide, is this year going to be better? Are we going to be shut down again? How are things going to work? The one thing that we have really in our favor is because we're not looking for to supply everybody with the latest Tickle Me Elmo. Um, we have a lot of different ways that we can move and different suppliers that we can go to and have long histories with many suppliers so we know what their stock situation is. And our store is an awful lot about here are a whole bunch of things you never knew existed because you're not seeing them on TV and they're not being pushed at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Every Christmas there's those, you know, one, two, three big toys that everybody's scrambling to try and find, and that's not what you're about. No, not at all. We've never subscribed to that. We've tried to be the antithesis of that and to offer people an alternative to what's just being um, advertised at them. Mm -hmm. I think of Toad Hall Toys as well as sort of a a spot where you can find not just the unusual stuff maybe that you haven't heard of before when it comes to toys, but also some of the traditional toys, right? Some of the stuff that I remember from my childhood. And I'm wondering if you've seen, because of the pandemic, and we've seen so much, you know, even in food, people are going back to comfort foods, right? (laughs) We're looking for that nostalgia, those things that make us feel good. And I'm wondering if you've seen uh, maybe more business at your store because people are looking for that sort of stuff in their life now. Well, I think that speaks to some of it. Um, but another part is simply people really embrace the buy local. Um, some of that simply because the big guys that they were ordering with online couldn't come through. Um, orders got canceled. Stock just wasn't there. Delay in shipping wasn't going to meet their timeline. Um, 
So they turned local and they discovered that, wow, there really is a good selection right in our own backyard. I can have it that day, the next day. And it was kind of a revelation, um, revelation, sorry, uh, that look closer to home first. You know, that's a really good point. Um, Whenever there's something bad like this pandemic, and it's been horrible, whenever there's something bad, good things usually come from it. And that is one of the things that I am really um, not excited, but I, I feel really good about how this community has supported local, bought local, right? Said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to this store because it's a local owner. It's not a big franchise. Not that franchises and, and those big name stores don't hire and employ local people, right? They matter too. But uh, I agree with you. I think that's something that Winnipeggers and Manitobans have really tried to do, buy local, support local. I, I completely agree with you, uh, and it's it's been very refreshing. And the comments that we've had from people who, you know, some of our long-term customers, but also new ones that say, wow, I, I wish I'd known about you years ago. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you do now. So, yeah. yeah. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm walking in the store, Kari, and you mm-hmm. greet me, and I go, hey, I'm looking for something unique. I'm looking for something different. What are one or two toys in uh, in your store, Toad Hall Toys, that you point out to people and say, hey, this is pretty cool. You may not have seen this before. How about this for your kid for Christmas? Oh, that's a broad one because I don't know how old your kid is yet. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> and I don't have one. And I don't have one. But you know what I mean? Like what toys have really caught your eye? You've been, as I said, doing this for a long time. I have been doing this for a really long time. Um I, I suppose the things that, uh, that well, if you're talking new, nifty, and trendy, um, mm-hmm. all the sensory um, fidgets, and, and I have these really cool 3D-printed sensory slugs. You'll have to look on the website to see what it looks like. It's super <laughs> cool. Um, but there's all sorts of sensory buckets and things. That, that seems to be a new trend, is, is mm. sort of um, putting all of your senses together. Um, but I also direct people to, we have a, an area of the store that it's called Neat and Nifty, or, uh, and you'll find all sorts of terrific little pickups that just provide wonder. Um, you know, I can direct you to the puzzle aisle, I can direct you to the games aisle, I have this great little thing called Hide and Squeak. It's a little mouse you hide for the little ones. And if he's not found for a little bit, he starts making noises like, I'm over here, I'm over here. Uh, so things like that are new and nifty. Um, also some great new science kits that I'm just really excited about. Build your own lava lamp, you know, hmm. great neat things. Gee, I might want to build my own lava lamp. I remember having one of those when I was younger and and wonder where it went hey well, kari on, thanks a lot <laughs> yeah i can get that at uh at total toys hey uh kari thanks a lot for this and uh, all the best i know you're heading into a busy season and i i hope people continue to support local like you at toad hall thank you so much have a great day all right kari england owner of toad hall toys joining us now serge balkan commercial producer at brio insurance surge good morning Good morning, Hal. How's it going today? Good. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. Yesterday we were talking about bacon prices, turkey prices, gas prices, everything's going up. And I got text messages and emails from a couple of people saying, hey, I just got my home insurance 
And one person said it's up $500 uh, from a year ago. Now we don't know how much their insurance was, uh, but a significant increase anyhow. Are you seeing some of that at Brio? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit. Um, a lot of it, though, isn't the, the rate from the insurance company. It's the, the cost to rebuild your house, and that's that's where all the that's where the uh, the rates come from. It's how much it costs to rebuild your house, and 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 that's what we insure you for. Sure, interesting. So, well, and that would be related to COVID, right? And supply issues again. So, if you want to, you, let's say you insure your house uh, to be replaced, and the cost of replacing your house is three hundred thousand dollars. Well, if all of a sudden in the past year that cost has gone up, the insurance companies have to protect themselves in case that happens, and so they charge you more of a premium. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the perfect example: how that same house that was three hundred thousand to rebuild last year could easily be 330 340 this year that's a 10 to 12 percent increase in turn if the dollar for dollar cost of insurance has not gone up technically your insurance just went up 10 to 12 percent because you're insuring more yeah and i i said this to a couple of people that uh texted and emailed me yesterday I said, you know what, shop it around. And I think, I know my parents, uh, Serge, back in the day, they would just, you know, they went to the one insurance place that their, that their parents went to and they just signed on the dotted line and, you know, yep, okay. I mean, you've got to shop it around, right? Don't be afraid to shop it around. Get a guy like you, because uh, this is what you do for me. You shop it around. Get me the best rate. Maybe we can look at what my insurance covers. Maybe I don't need this, but I need to beef up my liability or whatever it is. But you can shop it around and adjust exactly what your insurance is covering you for, correct? Exactly. You know, I, was there more than one broker in Picture Butte, Hal, though? <laughs> well, probably not. No, there probably was just, yeah, you, that's a good point, sir. There probably was just one, <laughs> one broker in Picture Butte. But you know what I mean? We're in Winnipeg, yeah. and there are choices, right? For sure. And, and you know, you, you, you it's real simple for us. We put in the data, and we come out with, you know, a dozen quotes, and from there, we can see where the best coverages are for, for, for the best, you know, your best bang for your buck, making sure you're properly covered, but also looking at rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what about any other areas? You talk about rebuilding costs for homes. Uh, there's different types of insurance, for example, rentals, right? Are you seeing increases yeah. anywhere else? Yeah, big, big increases in, in, in the rental market, um, apartment blocks, uh, Big, big time increases. It's just, I, I, I have, um, I have a few, a uh, few accounts where it really hurt me to call them. But I did my work, I did my research, and I did my quoting. And I go, sorry, you got a thirty percent increase on this, and and here are the the comparables. And uh, it really sucks to do that to somebody, but yeah, they really went up. That snow clearing has really gone up. The insurance on snow clearing. Uh, um, to the point that, uh, you know, a little mom and pop snow clearing guy is going, holy moly, I got to increase my rates to, to clear snow because the increase was that much. Huh. And what is that? Is that liability then? Is that what's increasing? The the, the insurance companies are, are more concerned about liability? Yeah. Like I, I talked to somebody about the snow clearing and there, there has been a lot of losses on the snow clearing side. Just guys are working longer hours trying to do more themselves and you get tired and you get sloppy Mm. Um, i'm not saying all of them are like that by no means but there's been some losses and and let's face it 
10 years ago or even 15 years ago, you, you, you clipped a car, uh, you know, it was a couple of thousand of damage. But now the way they make these cars, you, you clip the car today, it's easy 10 grand with all mm-hmm. the computers and all the, uh, you know, all the uh, balancing you got to do now and, and the type of materials you're using to build these cars. Mm-hmm. So, so it's uh, those, those claims, those small claims are now big claims really fast. Yeah. Hey, Kevin just sent in a text message here, and it's a good point, uh, Serge. He says, Hal, with the insurance, what happens when lumber costs go back down again? Will the rates drop again for insurance? I'll answer it, and then I want you to answer it, Serge, and then I'll let you go. I would just say to Kevin that the insurance business is very competitive, and I would think that those costs will come back down again as lumber costs come down. But I'll give you the final 30 seconds here. Yeah, you know what? It's it's all adjusted on 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 the cost of rebuilding a house. So if the cost of rebuilding a house goes down fifteen percent next year, um, we're insuring to the cost to rebuild your house. So if this year it was three hundred and forty, and next year it's three hundred and ten, we send in a new rebuilding cost to the insurance company, and we lower your coverage to cover you for three hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. We just got to insure to your rebuilding cost. Yeah, and that's the issue right now, why some people are noticing their home insurance is costing them more. Serge, thanks, buddy. Appreciate hey, it. Anytime, my man. Talk to you later. Serge Balkan. Serge Balkan is a commercial producer at Brio Insurance. Uh, today, by the way, will be our last really nice day. All right, Bruce is back now, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Hey, Bruce. Hey, hopefully you hear me this time. I can hear you. I hear you, sir. I know you're working today. You've got the skid steer out. What are you doing, rock picking today? Right, I'm picking the rocks. Actually, the rocks that I picked before, but I'm, we're putting the rocks in a culvert, so I'm putting the bucket down, and I just throw <laughs> the rocks into the bucket till it fills up, which is good because I don't have to walk around a lot. Then I can just dump it in the culvert, so there you they're go. useful. You know, we're finally using them. They were sitting sure. on the sides of the fields before. <laughs> Trying to get all that stuff done before the weather turns, right? And you were right, man. Several days ago, you said, Hal, it's going to get wet. Uh, you sort of gave us a three- or four-day period, and you're right. Today, our last really nice day, and then we have a bit of a wet weekend. Right, and then we'll probably get wet around Wednesday again, and then it gets, you know, a lot colder after, not super cold, but colder. I mean, it's going to be a kind of a stair step. It steps down with this one. It'll step down further after the next one. How much rain might we see over the next couple of days? And then again on Wednesday, is it significant? Potentially. The models are all over the place, but they seem to sit up, they say between the two of us, maybe 60 millimeters, which is pretty good. That's mm. That's quite a bit of rain. And we'll have to see if that shows up or not but it's quite possible we'll get 20 or 30 out of both systems and so it, it it's something that we need except for the people who are doing beats who are not real happy about it but uh, yeah. it's um it's good in other ways it's good because the ground needs the water absolutely we'll take it i was just reading that the harvest in manitoba is about 95 percent complete and they're saying that soil moisture is a concern right across the province and so we'll take the rain and and great timing right because it's been so warm it's not even like the ground has had a chance to freeze yet this water will go right in there and be there for spring 
Exactly. I was just going to say that, but you said it for me. So, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> it. You didn't want to, you know, it's it's actually better than having to wait till it, it gets frozen and then have snow on top of it because that, you know, you have to wait for the frost to come out of the ground and everything. Yeah. And some of it runs off, some of it blows away. This would be perfect. It, and it looks like the winds will be lighter during the rain than they are right now. So it's not going to be raining sideways. So it will be good in that sense. And it'll be good for yeah. me because my feet won't hurt as much. Okay, you know what? They were having some fun about your your weather toe on social media. I'm on social media, Hal Anderson on Twitter, Hal Anderson 34 on Instagram, and Hal Anderson and Hal Anderson Productions on Facebook. And they were laughing about your weather toe. But I said, listen, uh, it is reliable. I trust Bruce, and I trust Bruce's weather toe. It's been aching, huh? Oh yeah, it's it's hurting. But this last few days my feet are about a size bigger than they normally are because they swell up <laughs> when these big systems come yeah so all my toes hurt and i almost have to go up a size in shoes for actually i should get a pair of boots like the ones i'm wearing and and put on their storm coming on on them so if i wear them somewhere and somebody where are you wearing oh storm coming so, storm's <laughs> coming yeah. yeah and then just uh, post the picture on uh, on social media just much. just Right, and then just post the picture on social media, and people will know some weather's coming. Okay, so listen, a bit of rain, we'll take that. Man, we've had a nice stretch of weather here, though, and I know I, I've asked you, and you weren't able to get it for us today, but maybe by tomorrow. I may not be able to get you on tomorrow, but send me the info, because I've asked you to kind of crunch the numbers and give me an idea of just how warm, how nice this summer has been compared to other summers, so I'm looking forward to that. And we'll just quickly mention, you got the new La Nina num- or El Nino numbers in, and, and it's a mild one again, right? It's a, it's a weak La Nina, um, very weak at this point, but of course it's early in the season, but it'll probably end up being weaker than last year, so that makes us have to worry about words like polar vortex, and yeah. you know, that's that might be a, a term I have to use um, this this winter, and somebody might not like it, but I may have to use it anyway. All right, Bruce, I'll let you get back to the skid steer. Thanks for your time, buddy. All right, talk to you later. All right, and by the way, you can get to uh, weather uh, Bruce's weather website by going to my site. Just go to halanderson.ca. You can click through to Bruce's site there. Bruce Johnson, my weather expert buddy. And, yeah, give me a follow on social media, and I will uh, follow you back. I, I, If you don't get enough of me here for a couple hours weekday mornings, I'm on social media quite a bit, and, and I would uh, love to engage with you there as well. favorite people is carolyn classen from connexus counseling and she joins us here every thursday morning right after the eleven thirty news carolyn good morning good morning hal how are you great well enjoy today the weather's going to turn and it'll still be above normal but it is sort of sad i'm going up to uh, you know close up the cottage uh later this afternoon it, it's the end of a season and it's funny right when seasons change the weather changes uh you know for a long period of time uh, we either get, I think, happy about that. We can get sort of sad about that. It's funny how the weather impacts our mood, eh? The weather totally impacts our mood. And I have to tell you, I am like sucking the last warm days, every bit of the enjoyment that I can. We had a fire last night in the backyard and we went for a walk in our shirt sleeves in the evening in a way that normally isn't possible in October. And so as we can just enjoy these last days knowing that uh, they are coming to an end there's a there's a bittersweetness to them and a preciousness to them that um, just has me feeling very grateful for the summer that we've had the good weather that we had the way we could gather outside 
and getting ready for what's coming next. And for many people, the cold weather is a hard season where there's just more layers and more challenges with getting kids ready for school and figuring out how to go grab milk. Everything just becomes more complicated in winter. Um, and our shoulders live close to our ears, and that can be stressful. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Our shoulders live close to our ears. I'll remember that one. Hey, you know, another one that, uh, speaking of little uh, fun sayings like that, here's one I saw today and I thought of you. Uh, I'm glad you brought that one up. I'll, I'll just share this one here with you quickly. Working hard for something you don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something you love is called passion. Ah, isn't huh? that true, right? Um, and yeah. I think the, some, And sometimes the challenge for us is to find that even when we're feeling stressful, is there a deeper level of meaning that we can then find this encouraging and, and inspiring, right? Like that, those people that say when they walk by and there's guys building bricks um, on, into a wall and one guy says, I'm building, I'm just laying bricks. And another guy says, I'm building a wall. And another guy says, I'm creating a cathedral um, that we can change and shift the meaning of an activity so that it, we don't find it stressful, but that we find it meaningful. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So I talked to a gentleman this week, and um, he he said, "How I I was the guy waving the anti-vaxer flag. He was not getting the vaccine. Period. He fought it tooth and nail. And then after a family wedding, he he sat down with some family members who were healthcare workers, and they had a three-hour conversation. They just answered all his questions and said, you know, here's why we want you to get the vaccine." And he ended up being vaccinated. And, you know, sometimes I go, well, yeah, okay, sure. You know, we have these kind and and caring conversations. Will that really work? But this was a real-life example where it worked. And it kind of made me think, yeah, maybe it's not too late uh, to show some people that this is the way to go. I know not everybody agrees with me when I say that, so don't, you know, text an email. I understand some of you don't feel that way and won't change your mind. But I did find it interesting that his family members said, we care, what do you need to know? There wasn't yelling, there wasn't pointing, there wasn't any of that. And in the end, he got vaccinated. Well, it's a beautiful story where um, there's huge generosity on behalf of those healthcare workers slash family members um, that were able to address his concerns. Because people that have chosen not to get the vaccine, they didn't make that decision in a vacuum. They made that based on the information they had access to and based on what they feel is the right decision for them. And so they're mm-hmm. not going to get the vaccine until they have enough information that would say, actually, it makes sense for me to get it. And so as people who understand the hard research and how it's under how it's developed and have done sort of our frontline workers and are able to explain all of that as they are able to really calmly and in a connected way so that a person can learn from this place of safety, that's how people's hearts and minds are going to be changed. Um, and uh, I think the challenge for those of us who have gotten the vaccine we can be pretty judgy of those who have chosen not to get it, myself included. And I have yep. to keep reminding myself that when I got the vaccine, it was not only for myself, but out of this value of care and concern for other people, that I want to look after people that are on the margins. And I want people to see, feel seen, heard and valued who have underlying health conditions. But now the challenge for me is to live consistently with my values and have those that have chosen not to get the vaccine 
be seen, heard, and valued by myself in my conversations with them, that I have to figure out how to extend that same caring and kindness that I have as part of my value, how I extend that to those that have chosen to make a different decision than I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, boy, some really good points there. You know, you also had a take on, we're having this Pfizer conversation in the States. Pfizer has asked uh, uh, the FDA down there uh, for the ability to vaccinate 5 to 11-year-olds, and Pfizer's getting ready to do that with Health Canada here in this country. And um, so I said to you, maybe we can touch on uh, on this. And I read a text message uh, from Lori a little while ago saying, I can't wait to get our, our grandkid vaccinated. But I, I do understand some parents who maybe went and got the shot right away for themselves going, well, you know, this is my six-year-old or my seven-year-old. Um, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I understand uh, a little more the hesitancy with kids. And, and you had sort of an interesting take on that. Yeah, what I was thinking is that I think it's important to recognize that the people who were like were at the front of the line to get vaccinated themselves as soon as possible, partly to protect their children, um, that it is yet another decision to decide how they are going to handle the vaccination in their children. And for many, the outcomes will be the same. But it is a distinct decision because as you are a parent, you realize that children aren't just little adults that they have different systems, that your love for them means that you have to make the very best decision for them and that they react differently to things like heat and substances and, you know, tiredness and like all that they aren't just little adults, that they have a unique reaction in their Mm -hmm. health to stimuli that we present to them. And so parents are going to want to be knowing what the research is and understanding how that decision was made as the Pfizer vaccine gets gets approved for the children in our lives. That it, that it was done with due diligence, and people are going to need to understand that so that they can confidently and safely make that decision for their children to be vaccinated. And the only thing I'll say to that, if you are feeling hesitant about yourself or your, or your children, just find a really good, credible, reliable source, study the information, make the decision. Don't, you know, just go by a, a Facebook post or something you read on Twitter. Like, really do your research on this. It, it, it really matters uh, to do your research. I told you a while ago I'm into lists. I've got one here for you. Uh, okay. You wrote the book on this, Carolyn Klassen. Uh, <laughs> six ways to make your marriage last. There's Now, there's more to each of these six, but I'm just going to read the headlines, and then at the end I want to I hear your thoughts, okay? Because I... I I read this and I go, yeah, that's, you know, all, I think this is stuff we know, but sometimes being reminded about it is, is a good thing. Six ways to make your marriage last. They enjoy each other's company. They talk to each other. They trust each other. They're okay with an occasional disagreement. They respect one another and they have realistic expectations. Pretty good list, huh? That's an amazing list. Um, and I love how, like you say, we all intuitively when we hear those, we're like, oh, yeah, I already know that. But some of us, you've just reminded us of, oh, maybe I could go home and speak to my spouse a little bit differently um, right. in light of these. Because when we make an effort to invest in our relationship, when we make an effort to have fun, when we hold space for the fact that we can be happily married and still have different opinions and disagree on things, that we can hold space for that, that we can all just tend to our relationships a little bit more diligently because you just reminded us of some of those very basic, very truthful things that sometimes can fall off our radar. Mm -hmm. And can I just say here at the end, uh, I can't wait for the day, Carolyn, when you and I can have a conversation every week after the 1130 news and not talk about (laughs) COVID-19. 
Oh, from your lips to God's ears, right? I, I think we all look forward to the day when we can just live the kinds of lives that we did before uh, COVID became part of every single discussion that everyone has all the yep. time. Yeah. And we have to talk about it because people are talking about it, but I can't wait for the day, hopefully. Uh, Carolyn, have a great weekend. Thanks for doing this. Talk to you next Thursday. Take care. Have a good weekend.